that uh, whenever the word um, hell is given, uh, we have an image that automatically comes to our mind of this is what is going to be like. And, um, and where do we get this, this image? Uh, we get this image off of one word, you know, different words, and, uh, and we gravitate to specific words in the Bible. And uh, so some people gravitate to the word fire. Um, some people gravitate to the word abyss. Somebody gravitate, you know, to just different words that we, we, grab, we gravitate into, e- eternal um, in, in those things. And, and then all of a sudden we get this picture in our mind, this is what it is going to look like. And as we get this picture um, in our mind, um, if I have a picture in my mind, I can just preach it <laughs> um, because I have the microphone. Uh, you have the picture in mind and says, I just believe this. Um, the goal today is that what we have in our mind might not be exactly correct. <laughs> uh, and what I mean by might not be um, exactly correct is because when we do talk about the afterlife, we're talking about something that is beyond our mind. Now, that does not uh, make the statement that the Bible does not speak about hell and given us images of hell and given us words that describe it. Um, but as we read these words, um, what should we do with these, these words? So, um, with this uh, taking place, I'm just going to, there's not going to be very many questions that are going to be answered today. Uh, there's two um, like different dominant views of what's happening. Um, one is a, a, a literal view, and uh, the other is a metaphorical view and, uh, um, of what hell is going to be like. And then at the end, I'm just going to give you my view <laughs> of what I think. But this is uh, an exercise um, to prayerfully get us to think, but also to get us to um, um, understand of what God um, has in mind for hell, because nobody preached more about it than Jesus. And um, so you will probably even walk out of here with even maybe possibly more questions um, as we kind of toy around with a literal view, a metaphorical view. Which one is it? What does it look like? Well, remember what I just said is that a lot of it is a complete mystery because we're moving from a whole different life perspective in those things. But if we really say, okay, this is what hell looks like, and if I stand up here and say, this is what hell looks like, um, I, I think we can get in trouble. You know, I do think we can get in trouble because we can get so, we can get so um, rigid. So let's just look at the words um, that, have kind of, um, that are written in Scripture that describe it. Um, I will tell you that this whole um, lesson is not going to have very much, it's not going to have any Scripture in it. I think we only have one verse in it. Um, the reason why is because these, worlds, these words drive our thoughts. So this is an advanced class, meaning that... Um, um, we're going to talk about these words, and you can look up the scripture, but this is what the Bible says specifically of what hell is. So it's kind of, we're already to that point. These are the words that describe it. Let's just go through it. Eternal fire is a word. Unquenchable fire is a word. Shame and everlasting contempt. Um, a furnace of fire. A place where the fire is not quenched. A consuming fire. A place of torment and fire. Everlasting destruction, a place where the smoke of torment rises forever and ever, a lake of burning sulfur where the wicked are tormented day and night, a place where the worm does not die, a place of black darkness, and a bottomless pit. So these are the words that we automatically hear, and then we create an image in our mind of what hell looks like in regards to um, these words. And um, 
so if you go back to, um, I'll just say the Jonathan era, Jonathan Edwards era, um, you see a fire and brimstone. Um, and you see them take every single one of these words extremely literal. And as they took every word literal, they say, I'm going to be faithful to Scripture, and I'm going to preach it literal. And as I preach it literal, I'm showing the faithfulness to Scripture, and it will be, it will be proclaimed. And that's where we get the fire and brimstone on regards to the literal words that are happening. Um, that is Jonathan Edwards' view and Jonathan Edwards' approach, and therefore Jonathan Edwards' proclamation. It's many people's view, many people's approach, many people's proclamation if they're, if they're going to gonna teach. But as a result, um, you don't hear very many pastors in the 21st century talk about hell, do you? <laughs> um, in a sense of this literal view. Um, so what we want to do is I'm just going to give you this literal view. And again, I hope you took your Rolaids. I'm going to give you this literal view um, that is proclaimed. And, um, and just so you guys can just sit here and go, oh my, 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 my goodness. Um, and I'm not going to water it down. Forgive me. Um, I'm not going to say that this is my view, because remember, my view is at the bottom. But I'm going to give you this literal view, and then I'm going to ask questions to the literal view, because I think there's some legitimate questions that can be answered. And then again, I'll sum up my view at the end. So here is a, a literal view, and I, I'll just tell you that I've read almost every book of Jonathan Edwards, and he represents a lot of people. So that's why... I will say that Jonathan Edwards is an amazing theologian. I read almost everything of Jonathan Edwards. I love Jonathan Edwards, and I don't want to put him down whatsoever. Um, and I'm not going to put him down, because you can believe Jonathan Edwards if you want. But I'm just going to take his view, explore it, say it out loud. Sorry. <laughs> I will say it out loud, and then we will work off of it to try to ask questions in regard to his view. So let's just look at it. Uh, those who go to hell are cast into um, a liquid fire. This uh, fire is not, um, um, is, is not metaphorical. Um, this fire is a fire that we have known today. I mentioned in the beginning of class that um, God has a lot of grace on human beings. In regards to grace, he gives us some things that protect us at death. Um, one thing that uh, um, he knows that um, is horrific to the body is flames to the body. And therefore, just even a sense of grace is I'll put smoke in your nostrils for the purpose of putting you to sleep before you even express the flames into your body. Um, this liquid fire, there is no smoke. Um, it is a flame that you, a uh, person in hell, would exist in um, in regards to that. And I'm sorry, I'm just going to be bold as could be, but don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll ask questions in regards to this. But this is his view that it's, it's very um, strong with no smoke and it will be there and it will be there for an eternity. Number two, Every joint and every nerve shall be full of inexpressible torment, where people's hearts, bowels, heads, eyes, tongues, hands, and their feet will be filled with the hellfire that takes place. So it is not fire that is on your skin or even the surface of your skin. It is a fire that is inside the entire human body on every end of every nerve that is happening to this person that, um, that is in hell. This is a literal view explaining what hell is, is, is happening and what is taking place. Number three, a furnace of fire means that the heat is raised to the most intense degree of the flame. We understand how hot a flame is, but the Bible does not describe um, the fire 
as something that it's just fire. He describes it also as a furnace. And with a furnace, that is the most intense heat that fire can possibly even be in regards to the person that is in, that is in hell. Number four, in hell, your body will be much more capable to experience torment than it is now. So um, there's one thing about a fire inside of us now that we can say, okay, there will be an end, but there's almost an explanation of a steroid of making your body stronger for the purpose of taking more pain inside the body in regards to um, the fire that has taken place in hell. And this is defended um, in a sense that there is a, a furnace. Furnace gets hotter. It is everlasting. And you're also not degrading in the sense of those things. Number five, the soul of man is more capable of pain than the torment, um, pain and torment than even the body. So when we start talking about fire, that's one thing that the, the body is in flames, and we understand that because, remember, we will be resurrected, and as we're resurrected, we will have our bodies, so we will have our skin, we'll, we'll have our bodies, we'll understand the depth of that fire that will be there, but that's not the big deal. <laughs> that's, that's secondary compared to the torment inside of the soul. So there's extreme fire and extreme torment to an exceptional degree that we cannot even imagine. So, there it is. I gave it to you. Um, but before I give it to you, I just want to sum it up with kind of some quotes that Jonathan Edwards says. And as looking at these quotes, um, I just want to make, um, these are words of Jonathan Edwards, I just want to kind of categorize them. And the reason why it's good to categorize them is because uh, um, um, there's some bad news, there's some really bad news, and there's some really, 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 really bad news. So I need to put that into society, kind of some degrees. Um, the first one, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to have to say it's good news. <laughs> uh, the reason why is because we have to margin our degrees. So I don't know, I could put bad news, really, really bad news, really, really, really bad news, but there's got to be maybe some good news, but I mean, you'll see. This is the good news. This is what he says. There's not only flames without, there are flames within he breathed flames, his vitals were all on fire, and his tongue was all aflame. Every part was full of fire, full of wrath. He was pierced through and through with hellfire. That is the good news of the person that um, is in hell. Um, that means, when I call it good news, that it gets worse than that. This is just a summary. This is how it gets even worse. The body will be made so strong that it will not dissolve into the flames. The body will then be more, made capable of a great deal more misery than it is now. The body can endure but little now before it dissolves. If the body should be cast into fire, it presently dissolves, but then it shall be made capable of receiving even much more as that process takes place. That is definitely worse news than the news before. It's one thing to have hellfire, but it's one thing to have steroids that keeps you um, even alive where you can intense, um, even take a more greater degree. But that's not the worst news. That's the only bad news. We've got bad, 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 bad news even on top of that. Jonathan Edwards, the misery of the body is not the greatest part of the punishment. That is a statement that, yes, that is bad, but there's even something that's even worse. The misery of the soul 
by the inward expression of God's wrath will be much more intolerable even than the flames that come completely and entirely uh, from within. Um, that is um, the, literal, the literal view uh, where we take the word fire and say we understand the word fire from a human perspective. And as we understand the word fire from the human perspective, we can have it in our mind exactly what hell looks like if we take the word fire so literally that we know, and this is, what you, this is the only thing you'd have to come out with. It is absolutely the thing you'd have to come out with, and it's a literal view. And many people um, believe it. And, um, and I will not condemn or condone, you know, people that, that, that do believe it, but there is some questions that we need to ask off of this view. So this is just kind of a medical, forical view, and I'm not going to give you the view, I'm just going to ask the questions, um, because I think there's holes in the plot. I mean, you don't have to think there is, but there's some legitimate questions that you can ask. Um, number six, let's just ask questions. Can physical fire work on spiritual beings that don't have bodies? Can physical fire work on spiritual beings that do not have bodies? Uh, we can easily answer, it's like, oh, well, hold on a second. We're going to be resurrected. So we will have bodies, and therefore that fire can be literal, working on our literal bodies. What about the devil and his angels? Hell is created for the devil and his angels. The devil and the angels do not have bodies. So do we get the body into our system, into our, fl- uh, into our bowels and into our, our tongues and into our, our skin, into our nerve systems, but they get a different degree of torment that takes place? Um, it's a legitimate question. And uh, if we're going to say, I understand completely that this is very, very, very literal, then we do need to explain, um, because we're working with bodies, what the angels are going to go through, the, the fallen angels, what Satan, Lucifer, and the fallen angels are going through. So it's, it's a legitimate question um, to ask. And number seven, how can hell be literal fire when it also explained in black darkness? Um, what takes place with fire? Uh, fire is light. Um, is, if fire is present, light is, light is gone. If light is promoted, darkness, darkness leaves. So there has to be a, a literal mind that can have darkness and fire at the, at the same time. So if, if we're going into this is an absolute literal thing that's going to take place, you're going to have fire and then you're going to have black, darkness. Um, is there holes um, in that, that, that plot? And I'm just asking the question more so than giving answers because if we're going to take it, the thing so literally um, mold over in your brain and, and get a picture of exactly what it looks like. And as you mold over your brain and get a picture of what it looks like, make sure there's no holes uh, before it is preached and, 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 and even proclaimed or even thought about um, in, um, in our, our minds or in, in our, our dreams. What does fire and, um, and darkness, black darkness, uh, look like? Um, number eight would be, what does black darkness look like? look like. Um, there's one thing about being dark, but what about black darkness, which we see in a passage of Jude? What is black darkness? Um, I think the closest thing that I've ever come to um, black darkness um, was on a rafting trip. 
Uh, we were going down the Rogue River, and it was, um, it was flood stage. In other words, we should not have been on the Rogue River, <laughs> put it that way. But we were young, and we were stupid. And um, as we were going down the, uh, one of the, the rapids, um, I let, somebody else was oaring my boat. And as he was oaring my boat on Black Bar, he hit a wave crooked. And when the waves are big, you don't want to hit them crooked. And we started lifting up, and the boat was about ready to tip, and I was in the bottom part. And I remember, like, if I stay on this boat, this whole thing's going over, and we'll all be in the water. So I just kind of released and, and let myself go into the water. Um, these people were, that I was with were kind of new, and uh, they looked at me swimming, and they said, well, how do you pick him up? <laughs> they, they, weren't, they weren't thinking on, on how to, to pick me up. And then I looked in front of me, and there's a, uh, another rapid down below. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to swim this rapid. No big deal. I swim rapids all the time. I'll just suck it up, hold my breath, and, and take care of myself. And um, remember, the, the flood stage is some powerful, powerful, powerful water. So as I swim in this rapid, I'll never forget the water taking so control of me and just took in charge and says, you have no power whatsoever. And it took me to a black hole, the bottom. It just kept on going down and down and down and down and down and down. And it was black down there, but it was dark black. <laughs> in other words, you get the, the thickness of the dark feeling. And um, I was really thinking that, all right, when I get to the bottom, I'll be able to see heaven and everything will open up and everything will be good. But as I'm holding my breath, I'm like, don't panic, don't panic. You'll get air soon, get air soon. But there's a deep sense of emotion that takes place even in the, the black that, uh, that is there. Sure enough, I lived. I came to the surface. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I did. So, um, but you've got to describe this, this what, black, you know, darkness. Uh, when the Bible talks about black darkness, uh, what is it? Literally, what is it? What, is it, what does it look like um, in, in those things? Um, does black darkness even darker than dark dark? You know, it's a legitimate question. Um, number nine, if the fire is literal fire, is the worm a literal worm as well? If so, how is the worm not consumed by flames? Is it on steroids um, like us? Um, it's a, another legitimate question that we're talking about. If one thing is literal, everything has to be literal. If we can conceive one thing as it is described, everything has to be conceived as it is described. Therefore, the worm must be conceived, or is it talking about the worm as something not as literal, just kind of given an explanation, but yet talking about fire is that the fire um, is literal. These are things that you just want to consistently mull over um, in our mind to try to say, you know, what is taking place? What is going on here? What is happening? Um, number 10, how does one weep or gnash their teeth if you are damned without teeth? Um, the answer um, um, can be, um, well, we were resurrected and we, off, we get teeth. But if we're going to talk about your teeth will be gnashed, is it giving us a, an explanation of our emotions or is it giving us a description of our teeth being completely gnashed um, in, those, in those things? And then also about what about angels in, um, in those things that do not necessarily have, have teeth? Um, if we're taking literal, we need to make sure that everything is literal, and this would explain that teeth will be there in hell as we look at um, a, literal, a literal perspective. 
But somebody who says, well, you know, is this metaphorical for what's happening, you know, would be able to say, you know, no, that's just describing emotion that is there. But if it's literal, you're not describing the emotion, you're describing the physical act of gnashing teeth. And you take sure, make sure everything's literal if that, if that happens. Number 11, uh, who really cares about being beaten with many blows? Uh, that's a misquote. If you have hellfire burning every nerve of your body. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever been burned before, um, but uh, just uh, one simple burn on your finger uh, will get your attention. Uh, it won't only get your attention, your whole body will absolutely, completely, and entirely um, react, react to it. Um, a literal view is saying that the hell fire is not on your finger. It's saying that hell is on every single nerve that has taken place um, in um, your body. Um, that's what um, it, is, is, it is explaining. Um, but then we also hear that many blows will happen. We also hear that, um, that God's wetting his sword um, in a sense of his wrath that is going to come out on somebody. Um, I, the way that my mind works is, you know, if, um, if I have hellfire in every square inch of my body, who really gives a rip if I'm stabbed by a sword? I mean, you might as well just put it in my ear. It doesn't make a difference because there's a consuming pain that takes place with the fire and that would, I would think, would wipe everything out. I think that it would even wipe the emotions out. But yet, a literal view is making a statement that the emotions are going to be greater than even the, the pain. But yet, the pain, in my opinion, would wipe um, the, emotions, the emotions out. Um, I don't, even with fire, I think it would wipe the thought memory out. I think it would wipe I think it would wipe everything out in regards to the pain that is described um, on every single nerve. Now, I'm just asking the question. I'm just trying to picture it. Um, it's just I think it is a, a, legitimate, a legitimate question um, to, um, to ask. And number 12, uh, will, will, we be enough, will there be enough steroids in hell that we can take the hellfire and say a complete sentence at the same time? Oh, will we be on enough steroids in hell that we can take the hellfire and say that, um, and say a complete sentence at the same time? That would be, um, I think, that is a legitimate, um, a legitimate question. The reason why I think it's a legitimate question is because I went motorcycle riding um, in, uh, with uh, Jeremy Ott, and I wrecked on my motorcycle. And uh, when I wrecked on my motorcycle, I was going down a hill and I fell over onto a rock, and the motorcycle fell on top of me. And as the motorcycle fell on top of me, um, I'm like, oh, I did not say any words. I moaned and I groaned and I could not speak because I was hurt. Um, and then Jeremy says, what can I do? And I did not speak. I just, you know, that, that's, that's how you speak because there was so much pain that was involved. It's like, you want me to pull it off? I mean, there was not something that would come out that would necessarily be a complete sentence because I didn't know if my leg was broken or if it was not broken. I just know that it was smashed and my mouth was not communicating like it should be communicating. And so it's a, I think that's a legitimate question as well. As we are in pain, how much pain, how much agony can we take before a complete sentence can come out of our mind or, we can, or our lips? Or we can also ask the question, um, how hot is hell and how hot is it 
to wipe away the, the source of being able to talk. Uh, Luke 16.24, um, I might even explain the heat. Here's somebody that is in hell. And what are you going to see? And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to see that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. What do you see in that passage? You see a, a complete sentence. He's even got two commas in there. He probably didn't know he was given the commas, but a complete sentence that does take a place. You do see somebody that his mind is, is moving. His mind is tracking um, so far to the point that he's tracking history. So far, that he, so far to the point that he sees somebody and then he also recognizes um, um, somebody as well. So when we start talking about hell is, 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 is literal, there is a lot of questions to say, what is exactly does it look like? And when we say this is exactly what it looks like, are we right? Are we correct? So my view, and I'll just give you, you know, you know this is a really fast view, and I wrote down a view, and I want to explain it, because after I wrote it down, I'm like, boy, that sounds... Um, I, I would have put in a different, I would have reworded it different, but I just want to give you my view of what I believe. Um, I believe that it's a metaphorical view, not that one yet. Um, oh, you can put that one down. I'll just say, I believe it is a metaphorical, um, I believe in the metaphorical that provides images that symbolize realities worse than the literal. So if you ask me, do I believe in hell, I'd say I think it's metaphorical. I believe that uh, fire is metaphorical. Um, I believe that the worm um, is metaphorical. The gnashing of the teeth is um, metaphorical. Um, and the reason why... this is, You can disagree with me. Remember, this is a class where we think. The reason why I believe that it is such, um, so uh, metaphorical is because I'll say what I did before at the beginning of class. I think we're going into a category that is beyond our mind, that is beyond our thoughts, that is beyond um, completely and entirely our understanding. Um, therefore, when I read the word fire, I'm not going to say the word fire is going to take with us and will be there um, um, in hell. I won't, I won't be aggressive to saying that. What I will say, because I said that it's worse than literal, and that's a pretty aggressive statement, is that when Jesus and all the people that are talking um, about hell um, use crazy words, use wild words, and, um, and words so extreme that fire is consistently used. Um, if fire is consistently used and that radical word is consistently used, it has some meaning. Um, it has a metaphorical, in my mind, this is my mind, it has a metaphorical meaning that means it's probably not going to be necessarily, is not going to be, is not going to be good. But yet I can relax and say, and what I, what I mean by relax is saying, you're not going to have the fire in your flesh. You're not going to have the fire in your bones. I can read the word. You're going to have fire. What does that mean? It's beyond our mind, but it is not good because the emphasis has consistently been given in Scripture that it is God's judgment on people. Therefore, I won't water it down. I would not necessarily water it. I, wouldn't, I would not necessarily. I wouldn't water it down whatsoever. 
Um, so as we're looking at this, metaphorical, you can believe that it's literal, metaphorical, we don't know. My argument is that we cannot understand it. And I'd also go as far as the argument to say that we cannot understand heaven either. Because it's a whole different world. Now, in other words, we're going to get some things. And when we talk about heaven, we're going to get some things that are talking specifically about heaven. It's like golden streets and those things. Um, and I'm not just going to say, oh, they're all metaphorical. I'm going to say that they're, they're there. But I think our eyes, I believe our eyes are going to be open to a degree that is so far beyond. Uh, when we look at it, it's like, oh, my, my, I had no idea. I think somebody goes to hell. Oh, my, my, I had no idea. Even as I read the Bible and the Bible is describing it, I can see it, but it's something so much more powerful, something so much more rich, or something so much more destructive than my mind can even conceive, mind can even look at. And, um, and when it comes to heaven, I'd back that up by saying how many verses are out there that talk specifically about the third heaven? Not very many. How many verses are out there, or even chapters that are out there, that talk about the New Jerusalem? Well, there's two in Revelation, and there's one in Isaiah. Why is he talking about the New Jerusalem and not necessarily the New Heaven? Is because our minds are too stupid to understand the third heaven. And the New Jerusalem is on this earth, is on this planet. So we can grapple a little bit more things in regards to the New Jerusalem. When we look at the New Jerusalem, it's like, well, this is amazing uh, but the only words that Paul can say in regards to the third heaven is it's so far beyond my mind I cannot, even, I cannot even speak. So those are the words that I would give to hell as well. They are so far beyond our minds that I cannot um, even speak. So with that being said, next week um, there's not going to be any concrete answer <laughs> of what's going to take place. But next week we're going to uh, line up into the story of Luke um, of a person that was in hell, or Hades, and we're going to see what exactly what was going on in this person's mind, how he can speak, how he can talk, what might be taking place, and we're going to package that around a consistency with Scripture in regards to hell has always got to be consistent with God's justice. Hell's got to be consistent with God's judgment. Hell has got to be consistent with the atonement, meaning that of the cross, and as the cross takes away, I'd say takes away our hell because we can receive him as, as a savior. We're going to still look into this even further, not to necessarily get the feel for it, but to just give us an, a whole understanding of what might be going on in regards to judgment and regards to hell. Are you going to get firm answers? No, you're going to get what you get this morning. Is that let's just toy around with this a little bit. Let's just get our minds thinking and our minds moving of what we are facing um, in regards to the topic of hell and also heaven as well. So we have time for questions. I'm glad. I'm glad we we do. I looked up some esoteric data here, but here's four numbers for you. The temperature of a flame is 500 degrees. The temperature of lava is 2,000 degrees. An acetylene torch is 3,000. The sun is 27 million. So that just agrees we can't begin to understand that. Can you speak with it in your system? 
I mean, I'm just asking the question. I think it's a, it's a legitimate question. And, um, and when it comes to torment, which we hear a lot um, about hell, and we hear those words torment, would that sun heat consume a torment that should be there? And remember what the issue is in regards to hell. The issue is sin and a history of sin as well that comes into a package. So if we say fire is literal and you said 2,000 degrees, does it wipe away everything else? I can't, in my mind, if I'm going to go literal, and I'm sorry, if I'm going to go literal, I can't see how it could but that's my mind. You guys can, we can hang on to it literal. I just, you know, people, I will say the reason why I'm trying to push this is really hard is because if anybody says we're going to talk about the Bible as metaphorical, they often, they go instantly to, no, the whole Bible's metaphorical. This is, you know, it's just crazy. And, you know, I do not believe in a medical, a metaphorical Bible. I believe that the word of God is rich, is strong, but I also believe that is in times it's beyond our mind. And he has to speak in a human language that we cannot conceive because we, again, I'm sorry, we're stupid and we have, cannot embrace it to what the degree that he's explaining it. So I believe that we can relax a little bit and we don't have to cut off our hands and our eyes because, you know, they sin in, in those things. So that's, that's um, I believe in a literal Bible, <laughs> but I also believe in a Bible that's beyond our mind. And as we look into it, um, it, you can't just put your hand around the Bible and say, nah, I figured it out. Well, the Bible says that we have not seen and we can't conceive what we have in store for us in heaven. And, and um, I believe the Bible is both literal and metaphorical in almost in everything that I've seen. But we also receive uh, bodies that are perfect and bodies that can withstand a lot more than, you know, uh, mm-hmm. that we can nowadays. So I think um, it might be both. The description might be both literal and metaphorical. Uh, it's, it's literal because we can't understand anything else, like you were saying. It's he, his ways are not our ways, and we just, there's just no way we can conceive of the horrors of hell or the goodness of, of uh, heaven. Mm-hmm. I agree, absolutely. And God likes that. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things in my word belong to you. So what does that verse say? That means there is some secret things. Have you ever seen me use that before? Somebody asked a question. I said, oh, there's secret things. We just don't know the answer. We don't know the answer to it. We can relax that there is secret things that God has pulled from us and will not give us a complete revelation of. And, um, and that's okay. That's what he has chosen to do. And I believe he has not given us, we're going to toy with it. But I believe he has not given us a complete revelation of the third heaven. And we can play with it, of course. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, I mean, there's stuff out there that's secret. Mystery. It's okay. Anybody else? Steve. Uh, this is a little more about metaphors than it is hell. But... Where do we say, okay, that's metaphor, and that's metaphor, but all, everything else is literal. Mm-hmm. Is there a key in the Bible that says when we can turn metaphor off and on? Uh, mm-hmm. I was raised that you know, God's word is literal to the period, 
And mm -hmm. that's all there is to it. Metaphor is the modern way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. That's not too good. Where, where do we, how do we choose which part is metaphorical or not? Great, great, great question. And I would um, say the answer that's, I will say that's in my mind um, when I read the Bible is are we on a topic that is beyond my head? Um, and, and if we are on a topic that is beyond my head, I can, I can relax a little bit um, in regards to metaphorical or in regards to literal. Therefore, I would say that the Bible is literal. <laughs> the Bible is extremely literal, but there is some hyperboles that if you take in context, Jesus is wanting to get a point across and the crowd isn't listening. Um, and so what does he start using? He starts using some hyperboles. You know, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. You're better to have nothing than go into to, to hellfire, you know, with an arm and an eye. Um, how would you read that? The way that I read it is um, Jesus is irritated and people are not listening. And people, and he's like, I'm going to give you a hyperbole on making an example of you just need to wake up people and try to understand what's taking place and how I feel about, I feel about sin. Um, and then, I read that in hyperbole. I mean, they are hyperbole. We can't, we can't argue. If we did argue, we'd all be eyeless right now. We could all be, in fact, the, the, um, the Catholic Church before the Reformation says we can't give people the Bible because everybody will cut off their hands if we give people the Bible because it's supposed to be a literal sense. But I believe that that is hyperbole, which everybody does. And as we look at the cross and reflecting that cross from the, what is going on, what do we see? We see, wow, God was really serious about sin. So serious that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be hanging on the cross. You know, then we can picture that what has taken place so we can be redeemed from that hyperbole that is, that is there. So um, my encouragement as you read the Bible, take it as literal as can be. If you study the Bible and study, 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 and your mind just can't fit, grapple in, in those things, um, you know, relax a little bit. You know, in a sense of, okay, let's put this in the context. Let's put this in Jesus' message. What is he saying? What's taking place on those things? And it's, it's something that he's wanting to get a point across, and he's speaking that is beyond our mind, and Paul mentions that many, many times. I'm not, I'm speaking to you as children because you cannot handle meat. And since you can't handle meat, I'll try to bring it down. I'll bring it down a little bit. So hyperbole, um, metaphorically, um, is something that I would definitely argue against and say it is not what the Bible is about. With God talking, this is going to be, I'm going to communicate to a human being something that is beyond the human being. I can say, okay, I can relax with that. And um, now I can see this piece. So have you ever heard me give a sermon or will you ever hear, hear me give a sermon that specifically talks, okay, I'm going to talk about something metaphorically that God has said and, you know, this is the meat, you know, and that. Uh, no, I'm going to speak consistent, literal. But when we really explore a topic and get really, really deep in an advanced class, we're going to say, okay, what is taking place here in regards to that? So I will say that Jonathan... John Calvin and Martin Luther, um, Billy Graham and J.I. Packer 
um, do not stand with Jonathan Edwards on this. And John Calvin um, said the words that, um, no, it was Martin Luther that said the words, and I don't want to completely quote him, so, you know, it's not. He said the words that I would never talk about hell because I just could not talk about hell. But when I looked it into the entire package of what has taken place with God's judgment, I said, I cannot not talk about hell. And I started to speak it because it had fingers of sin, it had fingers of God's wrath, it had fingers of everything inside of it. But as long as that fire was in every system, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't explain that. Um, because it would just, it doesn't, it, it won't make sense. So, that's what, yeah, metaphorical? Bible's not metaphorical, it's literal. Six days? It's literal six days. That's in my mind. And uh, a science adjusts, the Bible doesn't adjust. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just, uh, have you guys heard about the book, The 23 Minutes in Hell, the pastor that was put there and what he witnessed? And he wasn't dead. He got taken out of his sleep at 3 in the morning and came back in the living room on his hands and knees sweaty. And, and he was a pastor, and he was in pretty good shape. But when he, when, he, when he was put in this dungeon, he said he saw, and he couldn't believe what he could see, but he did saw two big demons in there, and he, he was a, a well-fit guy that he could not move and he felt like he was so helpless. And the sounds and the stench he had, the stench is so worse than sewer or any of that. And what he felt there, and the screams and moans and groans were so loud. And the demons did attack him, I guess ripped him open. But they let him, the cell door open. And what he saw at the time he was there, and, he, and the book talks about everything in the scripture about it. And, uh, and the demons let him out. And when he saw over there, what he saw in there, he said he saw entities of people. In, in their skeletal bodies, and you could see the eyes, they look like entities, and you could see the eyes of them, and they were just being lashed out, and the loud and the screams he felt in there was just an intense, incredible, what he saw of that. Mm-hmm. And he said that on earth you can go hide anywhere, and, and a planet here, he said in hell you had no way out. The feeling you had in there, you're helpless, it was just incredible. And it was very, very darkness. But it seemed like God put him to witness this, and he had a little bit of light in his cell where he could see these huge, huge creature demons. And one of them was reptile face, what he described, and the other one was like 13 and 15 feet tall. Mm-hmm. They're horrible looking. And, and, uh, but anyway, that, but the, by, the book that talked about what he felt with the 23 minutes he was there. So he was a witness. And he's been going around the U.S. and wrote some books on this talking about mm-hmm. hell itself. Yeah. God has given us a love that um, is absolutely um, extreme and given us a salvation where we are people that are not going to be um, condemned. Now, there is no condemnation to those who are, are in Christ Jesus. And um, condemnation um, comes where? It comes from the depths of our, our sin. And that condemnation that comes from the depths of our sin is, um, is something that um, we will remember, something that we'll carry with us for an eternity um, if, we're not, if we're not saved. And so the process is to say, okay, I've got my sin, and I need to hand my sin over to Christ who died, who rose, so I can be set free from the sin that I would take necessarily um, 
take necessarily um, into hell because I don't want to digest it um, uh, for an eternity afterwards. Vern. A comment and a question. The comment is on the lighter side. We like lighter side, Vern. Thank you. <laughs> on the, uh, you know, in our, in our culture now, we hear from the environmentalists quite a bit about uh, carbon balance. And I wonder how much these folks realize how much they're going to affect the carbon balance with so many going to the place of hell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Number two, the uh, qu question is, uh, what kind of bodies or what kind of uh, being is going to be able to withstand this heat and for how long? What kind of being is going to, it would be specifically um, the devil and his angels and us. That's what scripture says. Okay, will that be a spirit or will that be a, a body like we're thinking of or what would that be? Because that's that heat for eternity, if that's what the case is, that's, that's a long time. So I'm arguing against the heat. So I'm, I'm sorry, I am, I'm arguing against um, the heat. Um, Steve mentioned um, 2,000 degrees. Is that am I right? I'm quoting you right? That's lava. That's lava. Oh, sorry. Okay. 27 million um, um, for the sun. Um, that is an obscene amount um, of heat. Um, can we take that heat? I would say no. Can there be a body that can take that heat? I would say no. Would that heat completely consume you where you cannot talk, you cannot think, you cannot um, reflect on your sin, you cannot reflect on what um, God even giving you wrath? No. My argument is that we can't take the heat. And since we can't take the heat, is fire literal or is there something else that has taken place and something else that is happening? Um, I'm going to, and I'll be saying this next week um, pretty consistently, um, but I do not believe that people are saved because of the fear of judgment. I don't. Um, the fear of judgment and responded to Jesus because of the fear of judgment is making a statement that I am self-absorbed with myself and I want what I want and I don't want the heat. How are people saved? If my message was you need to be saved because there is a hell waiting for you and it is a pit of dungeon, nobody will be saved. It'll do, what it would do is it would create a congregation of selfish individuals that say, I do not want heat, therefore I will accept the card and say the prayer, tell me whatever you can do, just so I don't get out of there. I don't believe that's being saved. The way that we are saved is by um, a view of what Christ has done for us on the cross and a passion of love that he's given to us, and that is a saving... Um, Form that takes complete transformation. And uh, so as we are preaching, how come you don't hear constant hell, 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 hell? Because that's just a selfish ambition. You, you, you accept Christ, you don't go to hell. Accept Christ, you don't go to hell. And Hellfire and Brimstone was preaching that. But that's not the message that Paul preached. Paul mentioned it, but he preached the good news, the gospel, because it was a transforming message, not a self-absorbed message. So when we come to the topic of hell, how much does it have to be spoken you know, from the pulpit? How much does it have to be pushed and, and, and presented? Um, 
It should do absolutely nothing but give a proclamation to what Christ has done on the cross because that's where our message is at and that's where our salvation is at and that's the only place where we'll find transformation in the sense of denying ourselves for Christ rather than accepting Christ so you don't, you're um, out of selfish motives. So um, when it comes to witnessing, say, you know what, you need Jesus because you're going to hell. That's not a salvation message. The salvation message is Christ came, he loved you, he died, he rose, he is your God. And whatever you're dealing with right now, God it can be, is with you in that. And he wants to walk with you even closer. Then people are like going, oh, okay, I'll take that. You know, that's, that's salvation. Yes, Katrina. So is there any, okay, heaven is for eternity. Do you think hell, I mean, it seems that I've seen scripture that indicate that um, you'll, uh, let's see, uh, yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. You look carefully for his place and he will not be there. So if hell is a, and of course our minds can't grasp it, but if hell is a place, is it, necessarily for eternity or could there be a point where the non the wicked man would just cease to exist or just be no more do you understand my question i I completely understand your question i'd love to answer that he would just be no more but the bible um um, says forever and ever and uh, people start to question uh, that and and i want to talk about your verse as well and i'll I'll go to that i'm not ignoring it um but the um the we are um, eternal beings, and, um, and the argument is, is how can a life of not accepting Christ be a punishment that can be forever and ever um, and ever? Um, because we are eternal beings, we will end up um, as eternal beings, whether we are separate from God or not separate from God, and it is a legitimate punishment um, that will take place. And when I say that as a legitimate punishment, I'm not saying that as myself. I'm saying whatever happens in hell, um, and you'll see this next week, the, the person that is in there in Luke does not ask to get out, does not question why he is in there. There's a complete understanding of what's happening to him. And with that understanding, he is going to continue to live uh, forever and ever. So mm-hmm. just that, that one. Yeah, I think honestly part of this, I want it to be that way. I want to cling that way, having lost parents, and I'm not sure whether my parents were Christian, and so I think there's a little bit of me that, but I will also, so that hopes, or, because yeah, I don't know, like for my own comfort, but I, um, I've also changed my um, uh, phrasing of when a person passes. We don't pass away. Uh, we pass on, hmm. and so that's a, I've it's really taken on a new reality to me since I've lost my parents. So, yeah, we don't, we don't leave. We're still, we're still around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just Absolutely. somewhere else, yeah. And, um, and I will tell you as a pastor, that is the, oh, I'm over time. That is the hardest thing to even talk about, hell. And because then we start thinking of other people. And that's why I want to say, there's metaphorical, we don't know exactly what's taking place. You know, we just don't. So with that being said, hot topic, hot subject. We're three minutes out. We're going to have to dismiss.